since, uh, you may be seated, since there are a few barbs thrown my way, um, I, I, I couldn't help but think, yeah, you would Bring talking. it on. <laughs> I just waited for Jordan to get there so he can mute you. So there are no rebuttals. Uh, I, I was thinking as you were sharing about uh, driving to church, talking about suffering, I, I see what Vicky's going through. <laughs> all, those, all those things come behind her, all the, the shenanigans, trying to put a bag on her head, everything else she's got to put up with. Oh, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, welcome to the last week of uh, God of Jacob series, as much as you might be looking forward to next week. Uh, today uh, will hopefully be a nice finish to the series. <clears throat> going to jump straight to Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, where we've started each of the last few weeks, where we get the name of our series from. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And this week's message is the God of. Mysterious. But we'll come to that later. Over the last few weeks, we've journeyed through some of the life of Jacob. Promises made to his mum about his life and legacy. A promise made as a promise kept. Parents favouring one child over another. Cheating his brother out of double inheritance and a blessing. Uh, and one of those through tricking his own father. Journeying to stay with his uncle because his brother wanted to kill him. And then getting the vision of the stairway to heaven at Bethel and understanding the purpose of a promise. Thanks to Cody for that great message. Then agreeing to terms for marriage uh, for Rachel with his uncle Laban and getting tricked by Laban into marrying her sister. Then marrying both of them and having two wives and two concubines and then having kids with those, of which Leah had a this time moment when she gave birth to Judah and turning her praise, turning to praise in the middle of her circumstances. Then last week, attempts were being made by Laban, his father-in-law, to trick him again, and then wrestling with God and having an encounter and then change, having a no longer moment, no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, Prince of God, or wrestles with God. So, to go from there through to the end of the book of Genesis, we're going to have a little story time. Some contextual music to take us through. So, we're going to skip through about uh, 13 chapters of the book of Genesis uh, pretty quickly. So, the story of Jacob then goes to meeting Esau and then through to the through to his death and then Moses in the desert. And we'll come to that at the end. Jacob meets Esau, his brother who wanted to kill him 20 years before. Esau is gracious and happy to see Jacob. Well, none the matter, Jacob insists on giving a gift, a sort of apology, even though Esau really doesn't need it. Esau has succeeded in that 20 years. Then Jacob and Leah's daughter, Dinah, is raped. Jacob's sons trick the rapist's family and males of the city by asking they all be circumcised as uh, a way of paying for their sins. Then two of the sons go and kill all of the males in that city, and then they loot the whole city and take all its possessions and all its people. 
then God blesses Jacob with a similar blessing as Abraham from in chapter 35, verse 11. I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number and nation and the community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you and I'll give this land to your descendants after you. This is a pretty cool moment, getting an amazing blessing. Then Rachel, Jacob's favourite wife, that's a problem, dies giving birth to Jacob's 12th son, Benjamin. Jacob's oldest son, Reuben, slept with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah. Jacob's father, Isaac, dies. Remember, he was on his deathbed, apparently, when he stole the blessing all that time earlier. Then in Genesis 36, we get a list of Esau's descendants. Then from chapter 37, we see the story of Joseph, Jacob's 11th son. And this is one of my all-time favourite stories in the Bible. A story of character, of favour, of God working through the whole situation. And you might have been curious at the start of the series when I said Jacob's story goes through all of that because Joseph's story is kind of like a subset. It's about 13, really 13 chapters. It goes to the end of Genesis as well. Joseph is favoured by his father. Notice the pattern. Uh, and given an ornate robe, as described in the NIV version. Joseph has dreams about his family bowing down to him and he is a bit of an oversharer and shares that with his brothers and his family and they grow to resent him. His brothers plot to kill him, but Judah suggests they sell him as a slave instead, rather than kill him. So, you know, family life is going good, not just for Jacob, but for his sons. They then take his robe, drip it with blood, and trick Jacob into thinking Joseph was killed by an animal. Not a particularly good moment in Jacob's life. Joseph is then transported to Egypt. <laughs> don't mind if I do. I don't take myself too seriously, so you don't have to either. So in Egypt, Joseph was sold... <laughs> It's good, it's good. I like it. it. took me a long time to... Oh, yes, get the music. Uh, then uh, it's sold to Potiphar's house. Potiphar is the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the Egyptian king. In chapter 38, we have a break from Joseph. We'll keep the same music going though. And we go to Judah. Uh, Jacob's fourth son, remember, praise. Le- Leah's child. Judah has sons, but they are wicked and die. They don't honour custom and tradition. Uh, and the story involves spilled semen. And Judah doesn't honour his eldest son's widow, Tamar. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of weird stuff in the Bible. It's all, it's all there if you really want to go read it. She then dresses, Tamar then dresses as a prostitute to trick Judah into fulfilling the cultural obligation. And Judah gets her pregnant with twins, more twins, who then become part of the lineage of Jesus. There's an amazing story, just that, that whole thing there and the, the wisdom of Tamar uh, and then Tamar and her, her two sons are in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. Not any of the other, not any of the other boys uh, that come from Judah. Then in Genesis 39, we go back to Joseph. Joseph becomes successful and finds favour with his boss. You might know the story, but I'm just kind of paraphrasing, skipping through just in case and a bit of a reminder. His, he is successful, finds favour. Then his boss's wife tries to tempt him into bed with her. Joseph refuses because he's a man of character. 
and he is accused of rape. <clears throat> Joseph is then thrown into jail. In jail, Joseph meets the cupbearer and the baker and interprets their dreams. Both become true, one dying three days later and one getting restored to their position in the palace. Then, two years later, sitting in jail for Joseph, Pharaoh had a dream which no one could interpret. The cupbearer finally remembers that Joseph has, has a gift and he's brought before Pharaoh and interprets the dreams and the dream. And the dream was about seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Pharaoh promotes and puts Joseph in charge of the country, essentially position of prime minister with only the king above him. Joseph puts a plan into action to store up food in the seven years of plenty, and then the years of famine hit. This is when Joseph's 10 older brothers go to Egypt to buy grain because there is famine in their land for Jacob and his whole family. So the brothers come down to Egypt. In chapter 42 onwards, we see encounters with Joseph and his brothers. Remember, they think he is dead and gone. They don't recognize their brother because Joseph looks like an Egyptian prince. I wasn't there, but I've heard stories about what Egyptian princes might have looked like. Different culture, different hairstyles, you know, different dress, all of that stuff. They didn't recognize their brother, but Joseph recognized them. So he tests them to see if their hearts have changed. He returns money in, in their sacks of grain and then asks them to bring their young, his youngest brother next time because they tell him they have left Benjamin behind. They return for, on a second trip with Benjamin and gifts for Joseph. After Jacob reluctantly agrees and thinks he's going to lose another son. He says, I've already lost one of my sons is gone, uh, attacked by animals. And what, what would happen if I was to lose Rachel's only other son? Joseph tests him again by placing a silver cup in Benjamin's sack of grain. Joseph says he will imprison Benjamin for this crime. Then Judah implores Joseph with an impassioned plea. In Genesis 44, 33. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father, Jacob, if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. And then in chapter 45, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Verse four, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. What an amazing perspective. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. Verse seven, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father, Jacob, and say to him, this is what your son, Joseph, says, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. What a break. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. 
I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong will become destitute. The brothers then return and get Jacob and the rest of the family and they all move to Egypt. Verse, and, uh, chapter 47, verse 27, the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years and the years of his life were 147. It's a lot of living. Jacob then blesses, it's documented in Genesis, blesses Joseph's sons, again, putting the younger before the older and switching. First will be last, last will be first. And then he blesses his own sons. The first three blessings aren't so great, but then Judah is blessed. And in 49, uh, Genesis 49 verse 8, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's star from between his feet. It's referring to the future kings coming from Judah, coming from that praise. Until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Talking about Jesus. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Joseph also gets a pretty good blessing because he's done a lot of right things. The main thing that he's guilty of was bragging a little bit. But otherwise, he's done a good thing for his family and the future of their nation. And then Joseph's two sons and the other sons of Jacob become the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob then dies and is buried in Canaan and everyone returns to Egypt. And in chapter 50, it reads, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with his father's family. He lived 110 years, saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. So Joseph himself lived to 110. Then we get to Exodus chapter 1. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour and they built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. There's a story in there in the Gospel. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labour in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all their harsh labour, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So here we have Jacob's family, God's people, now enslaved. And they were there for 400 years. Things were looking good. Living in a land of plenty. Your son is the prime minister of the country and you can have whatever you like. A new king comes to power and time passes, generations 
forget what had happened, what Joseph had done for the country. And now things have turned for worse. Then Moses is born. He was saved from genocide when Pharaoh had a command to kill all the boys under two years old. And he grew up in Pharaoh's house as a prince. He murders an Egyptian while trying to save a fellow Hebrew, runs away and for 40 years spends time as a shepherd. And this is where we find Moses in Exodus chapter 3. I ask you to come up. In Exodus 3, verse 1, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. We've started this verse uh, each week with this verse. And here's what it comes down to. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. What's really interesting in this is that Abraham is the name post-transformation. It's not Abram, as he was formerly known. Isaac didn't have a name change. But Jacob was renamed to Israel. So why isn't it the God of Abram, Isaac and Jacob, or Abraham, Isaac and Israel? Well, here's the thought. Abraham represents us post-transformation. Abraham is the father of many nations, the father of faith the one who sees victory. Jacob represents the other part of life, when life can be beautiful, but also ugly. Warts and all. The last four weeks and the first part of today are to show the whole part of Jacob's life. If Abraham is the victories, Jacob is the valleys. But you know what? It's the same God for both of them. God is the God of them both. He is with you in the high moments, and he is with you in the low moments. As the lyrics go in another Elevation song, we sang my testimony before and we will later. Graves into gardens is a part of there I really love because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. The God of the victories is the God of your valleys. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is the God of Nathan, is the God of Vicky, the God of Richard, of Brett, is the God of Ben, of Liz. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's coming up ahead, God is for you and He is with you through all of it, as He was for Jacob. Jacob had some amazing moments encountering and wrestling with God 
getting blessed and told that you're going to have this amazing legacy. But then he also had a lot of really bad moments. Many of them brought upon his own behaviour and his own choices, but also by others and circumstances around him. And before we go any further, I want to provide an opportunity for a response. Maybe you feel like you've had a Jacob life. Well, like Judah stood up for Benjamin and said, Benjamin is innocent. He did nothing. So take me, put me in prison. It's a picture and a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. When he said, no, they, they are innocent. Put me on the cross. I will take the sins of the world upon my shoulders so that everybody can have eternal life and access to that. So we're gonna provide an opportunity before we go any further for anyone who wants to enter a relationship with Jesus to accept, as we talked about in communion earlier, that Jesus died on the cross so we should believe in Him and not perish, but have that eternal life. And take a moment this morning, like we do in every service, if you've never made that decision before, or if you've had a bit of a Jacob moment or a Jacob year or a Jacob decade, and you want to come back to that relationship and provide an opportunity this morning for that response. Just ask everybody to close their eyes. And if there is anybody here this morning and you want to make that decision, make that prayer to accept what Jesus did, like Judas standing in the gap for his brother, Jesus took the sin of the world upon his shoulders so we may have freedom and eternal life. If you want to accept him for the first time, or maybe you've done that before, uh, but it's time to recommit. I see you just raise your hand nice and high and I'll acknowledge it, put it down and then we'll pray together. If you're online in the live chat, press the raise hand button as well. This is a simple prayer. You can pray anytime for that. Sorry, thank you, please. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong and doing things my way. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so I could be forgiven and set free. Please come into my life and lead me each day by your Holy Spirit. Sorry, thank you, and please. You can take that with you this week. And if you're unsure and just want to think about that, you can pray that anytime. Even if you have prayed a similar prayer before, it's always a good one to just, just come back and be humble before God. Now I'm going to ask the band to come up and to finish the series. We're going to take a moment just now just to reflect on the ups and downs on how we got here today. I'm just going to take a moment of pause before we go any further. What has the series, what have you learned from Jacob's life? And what, what has happened in your life to this point? What Jacob moments have you had? Let's just close our eyes and reflection again. And just to reflect on the ups and downs. We see God was working through it all. Maybe you don't feel like 
you can recognise where God was working. Maybe you look back and there were really tough situations, but you look back on it now and I'm stronger, I rely on God more, I have faith for the next challenge that comes along because of where He has brought me through. Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even in the darkest, darkest moments, God promises that He is with us. See, the last 12 months, you can open your eyes now, look forward, could be described as a valley for me, for our, my, my family. But in all that time, God was with us and working for us. And we have been blessed immensely through a lot of that. And it's also about not staying in the valleys. The valleys come, but Jacob also had some victories and ultimately had encounters with God and a name change representing his transformation. Sometimes we take stock and look back. See, the valley you are in now is probably higher than the victory you had a few years back. If you feel like you're in a valley now, look back at where you've come from. Look back at where God has brought you through. That challenge of 10 years ago or five years ago, that might just be every day for today. If you feel like you're in a valley, you just gotta look back and remember what God has done to have faith for what God is about to do. You have grown, you have a story to tell, like Jacob. You have a testimony and that is something to celebrate. God deserves all the praise for that. The God of Mason, the God of Jacob, is the God of the valley, is the God of the mountain, the God of your past and the God of your future. And here's the thing, right at the start of their deliverance for the Israelites, God reveals Himself as the God of Jacob. And it's the very, very first time that phrase is used in the Bible. Right at the point where He says, I'm about to deliver my people from 400 years of slavery or bondage, set them into the promised land, set them into a journey for their future. I am the God of Jacob, the God that has brought them through everything up to this point, through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. At the point of freedom that is about to come upon my people can acknowledge I'm the God of Mason, I'm the God of Jacob. Whatever situation you're going through, He is your God. It's where we've come from, but greater things are to come. Your deliverance, your freedom is ahead of you today. As the bridge of my testimony says, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. So we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing and we're gonna finish this series with a declaration of praise, a declaration of faith, a declaration that no matter how much of a Jacob moment we've had, there is a freedom moment coming. There is freedom coming to God's people. You can still remember the ups and the downs and everything that's going through because God is with you through all of that. But we're gonna sing, I have a testimony, I have something to declare. If God, if I'm not dead, you're not done, greater things are still to come.